the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Thursday, December 1st, 2022. Let me give you my phone number right off the top. Our phone number, 602-508-0960. 602-508-0960. If you ever catch me using the expression, my show, correct me. It's ours. It's our show. We do this together. I have a few questions for President Joe Biden. And if we had a press corps that's still hewed to the journalist's creed, it's worth reading. It exists. Or any norm of journalism that existed up until about 2016. I wouldn't have to suggest these questions. We'd have a press that would ask them on their own. We'd also have a president that could answer them. Then again, with a better press, we wouldn't have a President Biden to ask them as they propelled him into this position. Then again, in a better country, we wouldn't have a President Biden because he would not have been elevated to such high precincts as candidate for the presidency of the United States. So as this administration continues to play footsie with and give credence to the assumption that it can of a sudden disrupt and change over 200 years of constitutional law and political tradition by arrogating the position of big big brother unto itself and monitoring political speech and social media, attempting and failing to install a disinformation governance board earlier this year and Continued threats from the president press secretary, such as yesterday, when she said we're keeping a close eye on misinformation disseminated by Twitter and that, quote, we're monitoring Twitter. It's worth recalling and asking just a few things. First, I mentioned Big Brother. The notion of Big Brother comes from Orwell's novel, 1984, and first makes its appearance on page one of chapter one. You'd think people would be more cognizant of that. It is the symbol and signage of surveillance aided by another institution appearing in Chapter 1, the Ministry of Truth. The three slogans that emblemized the Ministry of Truth were war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. In other words, the Ministry of Truth is really the exact opposite of what we know truth to be. The Ministry of Truth hijacked truth. The thing to recall about Big Brother, again, all of this in Chapter 1, but seemingly requiring a reintroduction to Democrats. The thing to recall is that while people at first abhorred Big Brother, as Orwell writes, they came to adore him, also, as Orwell writes. Reflect on that just a moment. Adoration for behavioral and thought control. Sitting into that over the past three years, doesn't it go uncomfortably and familiarly well what our concerns over the past few days of not so much opposing the Chinese Communist Party and its government, but rather adapting to its demands and adapting too much of its philosophy here. As I mentioned yesterday, this notion that it is the job of the White House or anyone in the White House or anyone in the federal government or anyone in any government here to monitor political speech for truth is anathema to A, the media outlets it is focusing on, which means the media, and B, the First Amendment, which means the Constitution, 
and see the entire purpose of both the media and the Constitution, which means America. Thus, it is not too much to say that for all the caterwauling about a vote for Republicans being a vote to threaten democracy, the greatest threat, not just to democracy, but one of the most un-American of precincts under the philosophy, is this White House, at least as policy and procedure is and has been outlined by Karin Jean-Pierre and Joe Biden recently, to remind. As Robert Jackson had to in the Supreme Court during World War II put it, Quote, authority here is to be controlled by public opinion, not public opinion by authority. That sentence should be above every elected official's door. Anyone here ever heard of Brandeis University? It's named after Supreme Court Justice Louis Brandeis. About 10 years before Robert Jackson wrote what I just cited, Justice Brandeis wrote this, quote, Fear of serious injury cannot alone justify suppression of free speech and assembly. Men feared witches and burnt women. It is the function of speech to free men from the bondage of irrational fears. It's a great phrase. It is the function of speech to free men from the bondage of irrational fears. Close quote. The concern over Twitter is not so much misinformation and disinformation, but the ending of the suppression of information. Here, after all, is what pre-Elon Musk Twitter sent, uh, censored. Questions over, one, 15 days to slow the spread. Questions about, two, masks working. Questions about, three, lockdowns working. Questions about, four, natural immunity being a myth. Questions over, five, mRNA shots being actual vaccines questioning the case that six COVID shops stop, quote, COVID shots stop transition, uh, questions that over the fact that vitamin D doesn't help, questioning and arguing against the notion uh, that ivermectin is exclusively a horse uh, dewormer, questioning if it was really true that hydroxychloroquine is dangerous, questions about whether COVID could be spread on surfaces, questions about whether asymptomatic transmission is common, questions about whether COVID can be spread outdoors, and arguing against the continued statement that children are or were at significant risk. Each and every one of those arguments was considered misinformation and disinformation by this White House if they were questioned. Each and every attempt to spread those questions and back them up with research and fact was suppressed or censored in the name of it being misinformation and disinformation. And each and every claim by the questioners turned out to be true, and each and every claim that the fact that was deemed accurate in science turned out to be untrue. The bondage of irrational fear. Let's remember that phrase of Louis Brandeis's. And maybe let's ask Brandeis University to place that phrase atop its main entrance, that the school exists to free people from such bondage. But of course, that would require academic freedom the college and university cognate of the First Amendment. And that also is in short supply and great discount at Brandeis, as it is at almost every other university and college in America. Now, back to the mainstream press for a moment, because while they, too, hate Musk and Twitter because it challenges the narrative they would rather control and corner the market upon, they are not asking this administration, never mind drilling this administration, on any of this effort to monitor and keep their eyes on the media. Oh, if Donald Trump says the media is fake news, they will go apoplectic. But if Joe Biden or his megaphone in chief says 
they are going to monitor the media for misinformation and disinformation shortly after actually trying to create an institution to do just that within the Homeland Security Agency. We get crickets if we don't get agreement. If we are told the greatest threat to democracy is electing people who deny the legitimacy of an election, why is not a single member of the press asking Karin Jean-Pierre about her tweets that the 2016 election was stolen and illegitimate? And why is nobody asking why the Democrats just elected Hakeem Jeffries as the minority leader of the incoming House of Representatives when he said the same self, the self same things? 2016 was illegitimate. Donald Trump was illegitimately elected. That's who the Democrats just put into the number two, excuse me, the number one spot for the Democratic Party in the House of Representatives. After running a campaign saying that election denial is not only misinformation, but a threat to democracy, they just put someone who threatens democracy in charge of the House of Representatives in their party. Or do these questions really belong in a different bucket, namely the bucket of people who actually did spread misinformation as Pierre and Jeffries continually did about the 2016 election? Might not the administration whose leader repeatedly said, if you get vaccinated, you won't get sick. If you get vaccinated, you won't go to the hospital. If you get vaccinated, you won't die. Take just a slice of humble pie and consider maybe just maybe they don't have the moral authority or the historical or the factual credibility to be determining what is mis and disinformation. And shouldn't the press be asking why it fell for and why it uncritically accepted the word of 51 Democratic Party intelligence officials when they said Hunter Biden's laptop was a Russian hoax, Russian conspiracy? And mightn't they be asking themselves why they colluded to shut down the New York Post story on it when it came out? And might they ask how that changed, actually changed an election? Mightn't they ask how will we claim First Amendment protections for ourselves when we colluded to deprive a colleague in the New York Post of the same? And how will we claim First Amendment protections for ourselves when we are okay with the administration saying it will monitor and keep a close eye on one of us? The whole idea of prying open the government for truth and demanding that it tell us the truth is why there is a press. The press is not there for the government to tell it what to print. The government has a printing office. It's actually helpfully called the government printing office. We seem to need this reminder every 50 years or so. When the Nixon administration tried to prevent the publication of what became known as the Pentagon Papers, which would embarrass the previous administration, Lyndon Johnson's, not Nixon or his administration, but when the Nixon administration tried to prevent such, the Washington Post and the New York Times rushed to A, print the papers anyway, and B, sue the Nixon administration in the United States Supreme Court to prevent such prior restraint once and for all. Every liberal in America cheered the Post and the Times, and every journalism and law school taught the Pentagon Papers case, which vindicated the claims of the Washington Post and the New York Times. In that case, the two most liberal justices on the Supreme Court, Hugo Black and William O. Douglas, wrote the following, quote, for the first time in the 182 years since the founding of the Republic, the federal courts are asked to hold that the First Amendment does not mean what it says, but rather means that the government can halt the publication of current views of vital importance to the people of this country. 
The Bill of Rights changed the original Constitution into a new charter under which no branch of government could abridge the people's freedom of press, speech, religion, and assembly, they continued. And then they wrote this, quote, But the history and language of the First Amendment support the view that the press must be left free to publish news, whatever the source, without censorship, injunctions, or prior restraints. In the First Amendment, the founding fathers, they went on, gave the free press the protection it must have to fulfill its essential role in democracy. The press was to serve the government, not the governors. The government's power to censor the press was abolished so that the press would remain forever free to censure the government. The press was protected so that it could bear the secrets of government and inform the people. Only a free and unrestrained press can effectively expose deception in government. And paramount among the responsibilities of a free press is the duty to prevent any part of the government from deceiving the people. Close quote. The press was to serve the governed not the governors. The government's power to censor the press was abolished so that the press would remain forever free to censure, criticize the government. Who's doing that now? Well, Elon Musk. Vaclav Havel once wrote, quote, if the main pillar of the system is living a lie, then it is not surprising that the fundamental threat to it is living the truth which is why it must be suppressed more severely than anything else. Close quote. That's why the Pentagon Papers case means nothing to the press today or to this administration or the Democratic Party. Louis Brandeis, Robert Jackson, Hugo Black, and William O. Douglas would not recognize their party anymore, nor would they understand how quickly it took George Orwell's novel, 1984, to go from a warning to a blueprint. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind, 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Turning Point USA is bringing America's biggest freedom party to Phoenix this December 17th through the 20th. It's at the Phoenix Convention Center. America Fest 2022 features the biggest names in the conservative movement. Of course, Charlie Kirk. You'll have Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, Kaylee McEnany, and many more. There'll be great nightly concerts featuring music legends like Riley Green, Chase Rice, Ray Lynn, and many more. Don't miss the largest celebration of our constitutional rights and freedom in America. Right now, the next caller here at 602-508-0960 will get a pair of VIP tickets, two VIP tickets for America Fest 2022. That gives you access to, of course, the general session. It gives you the VIP lounge access, and it gives you uh, access to a reserved seating area. If you are not able to call in and get free tickets, um, you don't need to worry. You can get VIP tickets by going to amfest.com, or you can get general admission tickets if you don't win here online at amfest.com. We have a special discount for 960 The Patriot listeners. Use code PATRIOT 
Use the word PATRIOT as your code when checking out at AmFest.com to get 50% off. That applies to the general admission tickets. So we're uh, happy to uh, help promote this and uh, would look very much forward to seeing you there. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, we were there, Bill. I think we were there. Yeah, we were there last year, and it was it's tremendous. It's just it's great to be with people who share your general point of view, you know, how great it is for people to sit, for brethren to sit in harmony, um, obviously bre- brothers and sisters. Any of these, uh, any of these kinds of uh, events are just, you know, you can't have enough of them, but uh, Charlie does it like few others. Um, there's this awfully terrible, just awful, awful uh, distortion and infection of the mind when it comes to what a lot of us have been trying to do in cleaning up our streets, not because the streets are more important than humans, but because the humans are too important to be living on the streets. A lot of us have been talking about these things and libertarian types and lefty types have been saying, well, no one really gets hurt from open-air drug use parks except the people themselves. These are victimless crimes. I can speak for hours on the notion of victimless crimes. But just yesterday, San Francisco firefighters had to revive a 10-month-old baby poisoned by fentanyl while playing at Moscone Park in the upscale Marina District with his nanny in San Francisco. The 10-month-old baby was not self-selecting and self-initiating the use of fentanyl. The baby's father wrote that our baby went to the ER today and barely survived because he found and ingested fentanyl while playing at Moscone Park. Found it. Played with it. Ingested it. Nearly died. Michael Schellenberger writes that um, the nanny called the father from the park after the son stopped breathing. Paramedics gave Narcan to the baby. Can you imagine having to give naloxone to a 10-month-old? Paramedics gave Narcan to the baby and then took him to the hospital where he was monitored for the uh, next several hours. Neither the father nor the police know how exactly the baby came into contact with that drug. However, as Schellenberger writes, there is a homeless drug scene in the baseball bleachers and dugout 150 yards from where the poisoning occurred. Doesn't exactly take Sherlock Holmes to figure out how the baby got it. I was running today. I was running this morning um, in a uh, neighborhood where I've seen increasing numbers of people sleeping on the streets. I didn't see any people today sleeping on the streets in this neighborhood. You know what I did see, though? Saw two used syringes. Yeah, that'll hurt a baby, too. That'll hurt a child. That'll hurt anyone. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Gold has been used as money for nearly 3,000 years, and today it still remains a common-sense investment that's simple and straightforward. You don't need pushy commission salespeople to tell you why you should buy gold. You probably already want it. All you need is a reputable dealer with advice based on experience and a complete range of bullion and coins so you get what you want at the best value. That's where Midas Gold Group comes in. They're veteran-owned. They're proud supporters of this show and this station, 960 AM, The Patriot. They're fighting for your right, not only free speech, but financial privacy and stability that gold offers. Trust the dealer that I and Seb Gorka, thousands of our listeners know and trust, and that's Midas Gold Group. You can visit them in person at 625 West Deer Valley Road in Phoenix, or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000, or online at MidasGoldGroup.com. I, um, I, I, I saw this story out of San Francisco on this 10-month-old baby that had to be taken to the hospital and given naloxone, or what is commonly referred to as Narcan. And I saw a crawl on the television that said uh, Narcan available in more and more cities. And I just, I, I just think of the surrender that this represents. We are going to make available more and more of the antidote to drug poisoning. A friend of mine put it this way once. He said... Um, yeah, I, I, I think I understand the logic. It's like kind of building prosthetic limb stores on the beachheads of shark-infested waters. How about telling people not to go swimming with the great whites, and how about killing them? How about getting rid of the damn sharks? This is insanity. It's insanity. Don't get me wrong and don't mishear me and don't misread me. I think, obviously, having Narcan available until we get to the point where we can have a serious prevention and reduction program, obviously you need to have it. But the idea that that is the focus is the idea of a surrender. Yeah, we'll allow all the poison to exist, but also... We'll have the antidote available if you're lucky enough to access it in time. It's the creation of a problem to solve a problem that we don't need and we don't have to have. The statistic to keep in mind are really two. The images to keep in mind are really twofold when it comes to this issue. One is, when I was in high school, this country had about 10,000 drug poisoning deaths a year. High school and college sifted about 10,000 drug poisoning deaths a year. Country was about 245, 250 million people then. Country's now about 332 million. And we have about 110,000 drug poisoning deaths a year. The country grew by a third and drug poisonings grew by a thousand percent. That's the nature of the problem that no one seems to want to grasp. I don't know how many of you have gone to the Vietnam veteran memorial, that wall in Washington, D.C. Some have referred to it as the scar in the ground, but anyone who's been there knows how somber and serious it is when you look at it. It's got about 58,000 names on it. 
sad. It took 14 years to amass those names. Those names, those 58,000, got there over the course of a 14-year adventure and misadventure. You think about drug poisonings, drug deaths in this country, you'd have to build two of those walls a year now. Think about that. As long and as dark as that wall is, that's the image I want you to have in your mind. We would need to build two walls a year, not one over the course of 14 years, two walls a year. And we're doing it to ourselves. We're doing it to ourselves. And it's not a misadventure of foreign policy. It's a misadventure of social policy, domestic policy, and rotten thought. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Hey, Bill, would you cue up for us um, Paul Harvey's If I Were the Devil? You can probably if you can get it, if if we don't have it saved you you know how to get it probably from 1965. Um, I was put in mind of this uh, when I read a recent piece by Victor Davis Hanson over at Real Clear Politics. If you really wanted to destroy the U.S., he writes, first you would surrender our prior energy independence. You'd reduce new gas and oil leases on federal lands to the lowest levels of any president in history. You'd cut back production at precisely the time the world is emerging from a two-year lockdown with pent-up consumer demand. If you wanted to destroy the U.S., you'd make war on coal and nuclear power. You'd drain the strategic petroleum reserve to make the pain for consumers more bearable for midterm election advantage. You'd cancel the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge oil and gas field. You'd block pipelines like the Keystone Oil Pipeline and the Constitution natural gas line. If you wanted to destroy the U.S., you'd overregulate and demonize frackers and horizontal drillers. You'd ensure there is less investment for their exploration and production. You'd make use of internal combustible engines or fossil fuel power generation prohibitively expensive. If you wanted to destroy the U.S., you'd achieve a green oil dependency along the lines of contemporary Europe. If you wanted to destroy the U.S., you'd print trillions of dollars in a new currency as the lockdowns end, demand rises, and consumers are already saturated with COVID-19 subsidies. You'd keep interest rates low, well below the rate of inflation as you print more money. Ensure that passbook holders earn no interest at the very time prices skyrocket to the highest per annum level in 40 years. You'd spread the wealth by sending money to those who already have enough while making it less valuable for those deemed to have too much. You'd ensure runaway high prices to wean the middle class off its consumerism and supposedly to inspire them to buy less junk they don't need. Damn the rich in the open and in the abstract. Court them in the concrete and secret of darkness. If you wanted to destroy America, you'd end America's physical boundaries. You'd render it an amorphous people and anywhere space. You'd end any vestigial difference between a citizen and a resident. You'd up the current 
nearly 50 million who were not born in the United States, 27% of California's population, to 100 million and more by allowing 3 million illegal aliens to enter every year. If you wanted to destroy America, you'd destroy the public trust in its elections. You'd render Election Day irrelevant. You'd make proper auditing of mail-in early ballots impossible. You'd normalize ballot harvesting and curing. If you wanted to destroy America, you'd urge leftist billionaires to infuse their riches to absorb the work of state registrars and key precincts to ensure the correct turnout. If you wanted to destroy America, you'd redefine crime as one rich man's crime, another poor man's necessity. Let those who need things exercise their entitlement to them. Rewrite or ignore laws to exempt the oppressed who take or do what they want as atonement for past systemic racism and oppression. If you wanted to destroy America, six, you'd junk the ossified idea of a melting pot and multiracial society united by common American values and ideals. Instead, identify individuals by their superficial appearances. Seek to be a victim and monetize your claims against perceived victimizers. Call anyone a racist who resists this notion. You'd encourage each tribe defined by common race, ethnic, gender, or sexual orientation affinities to band together to oppose the monolithic white privilege majority. You'd encourage social and tribal tensions. You'd racially discriminate in the name of ending discrimination. You'd green light statue toppling, name changing, boycotting, and cancel culturing, ostracizing, and Trotskyizing. You'd erase the past, control the present, and create a new American person for the future. If you wanted to destroy America, you'd render the United States just one of many nations abroad. You might abandon a country like Afghanistan in shame, leave behind thousands of loyal Afghan allies, billions of dollars in equipment, a billion-dollar embassy, and the largest air base in Central Asia. You'd appease the theocracy to re-enter the Iran nuclear deal. You'd beg enemies like Venezuela, Russia, and Iran to pump more oil when it is politically expedient for us to have abundant supplies, oil that we have in abundance but won't produce. You'd discourage friends like Guinea from producing more energy and cancel allies' energy projects like the East Med Pipeline. You'd trash but then beg Saudi Arabia to pump more oil right before the midterms for domestic political advantage. If you wanted to destroy America, you'd neuter the First Amendment, enlist Silicon Valley monopolies to silence unwanted speech while using big tech's mega profits to warp elections, declare free expression hate speech, criminalize contrarian social media. If you wanted to destroy America, you'd demonize half the country as semi-fascist, un-American, insurrectionist, and even potential domestic terrorists. Try to change inconvenient ancient rules, seek to pack the court, end a filibuster, junk the electoral college, and bring in two more states because their, part, because their partisan makeup suits you just fine. You'd twice impeach a president who tried to stand in your way. You'd try him when he's an emeritus president and private citizen. You might raid his home and seek to indict a future rival to the current president. If you wanted to destroy America... You'd never mention the origins of the COVID-19 virus. You'd never blame China for the release of SARS-CoV-2. 
you'd exempt investigations of U.S. health officials who subsidized Chinese gain-of-function research. You'd ignore the Bill of Rights to mandate vaccinations and mask-wearing and quarantines. Sad thing is, we've done all of the above. It'd be hard to imagine any planned agenda to destroy America that would have been as injurious as what we already suffered the last two years. The caveat to this piece of Victor Hansen's that I would add is it's astounding to think that there are people who will listen to that list and say, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, that's right, good. That's what I'm voting for. That's what I support. Those are the right things. Those are the right policies. And it seems to me that we're going to have to have a really important political conversation about the fact that there are tens and tens and tens of millions, perhaps over a hundred million people in this country who think just along those very lines, hearing that list and saying, yeah, that's the platform I agree with. That's just fine. Because until we recognize that they exist and sincerely believe in those things as much as we sincerely believe they are poison to us, we're going to be further and further divided and further and further ignorant about a country we no longer understand and further and further and further away from winning elections when we think that because we agree with ourselves, we have the majority, when in fact we may just not. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Be right back. Portions of the show are brought to you by Y-Refi. If you're concerned with stock market volatility, the good people at Y-Refi have a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. Your interest is compounded daily. You are paid monthly and there are no fees. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. And there is no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. This is a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10 and a quarter percent. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. That's 888-Y-REFI-34. You can talk, call them and talk to them. They won't give you a sales pitch. They're here locally. I know them well. Great guys. They just love talking about what it is they do and letting it speak for itself. They leave the selling and the pitching up to people like Larry Elder and myself. I don't know how many of you, if any of you, saw the circus that was Kanye West with Alex Jones earlier today. He was dressed in a, um, Kanye West was, was dressed in a, um, I don't know what the term for it is that's appropriate to use. Let's call it a leather full body suit with a zipper over the face covering. If you saw the movie Pulp Fiction, you'll recognize that suit from a scene with Bruce Willis in a pawn shop. He also brought with him some props, like it was some kind of Steve Martin comedy routine circa 1978. And he did the entire interview in this full leather glove, body glove. With Nick Fuentes, of course. Fulminating about 
how great Adolf Hitler was, making no bones about that very, that's, that sentence was uttered many times, how great the Nazis were, how great Adolf Hitler was. Dumas Sani, well, I don't know what more there is that can be said right now about this. Kanye West has, last I checked, something like 30 million followers, 30 million plus followers on Twitter. Obviously not everyone a supporter, but an awful lot. It's not just enough to say that people are doing this mentally disturbed man no favors by allowing him to continue his mental health breakdown in public the way he is. There's something much more to it than that, giving any air to it whatsoever. Dumasani Washington writes, Kanye's professed love and admiration for Hitler Nazis aren't just the musings of an emotional man. Maybe the most prolific hip-hop artist with millions of followers is helping usher in a new era of bigotry and Jew hatred as if taking the baton from Louis Farrakhan. This is no small thing. And yes, there are plenty of progressives who don't care about what Kanye is saying. They just associate him with Christian conservatives, so they're acting like they give a damn about anti-Semitism. We see them, too. You bet we do. Any thoughts on any of that? Love to hear them. Anyway, your show, 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind? We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 